Wellspring podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. If I were to title this message, it would be Living in Hard Times. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off by saying last night, Shelby spoke down in Junction, and her message was on Joseph, a, 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 a thought that I haven't had before. Most of you know the story of Joseph, and if you don't, read it in Genesis, because it's a great story of God's redeeming power. Joseph was 17 when he was sold into slavery. And it was 20 years worth of some good, mostly bad times for him. As you know the story, he, he did great in Potiphar's house. And his wife just messed up, tried to, but Joseph was still ever faithful. Got thrown in prison for it. Suffered in prison. And by the time that started, like I said, at 17 when he was a youth, when his brothers got rid of him, it was until he was 20 years old when he got out of prison and spoke to Pharaoh about his dreams. And Pharaoh made him ruler of everything except for the throne. But that wasn't the end of his story there. Still, he knew of the stories. Remember, he didn't have the, the Ten Commandments. He didn't have the story of the children escaping Egypt. That hadn't happened yet. So he was living by faith alone, faith in his God from how he was brought up and the dreams that he had and the visions that came true because of God and God's touch on his life. And if you remember, when Moses did lead the children out of Egypt, remember what they carried? Joseph's bones. So he could be come to rest in the promised land. So that was actually a lifetime of fulfillment seeing it. And he didn't see the very end. But 20 years he went through that suffering. How dare us complain when we go through it for one day? Amen? <laughs> or a few. Exactly. So I want to start off this morning with a few questions, but I just thought that was God's blessing on me to know that we all want to know we're in God's will, right? Sometimes we do, sometimes we're not sure, but we're pressing onward. And I got confirmation last night by Shelby's message, these songs talking about Zion and God bringing his children back through all that like they did, because that was about the Israel, Israelites that were got out of there and brought them back. They're back home in Israel now. And that was God's word being fulfilled. And I thought about that. And that just, it was just a confirmation. These songs, I put these songs together. And I'll tell you a little secret. I've probably told you before, but I can't remember because I can't remember what I did yesterday. But uh, I always pray and seek God's wisdom and his will when I'm putting these songs together. And I put this together two weeks ago before I even knew I was going to speak here today because <laughs> Bill had texted me and asked me if I could take over for him today. And I said, well, sure. Our old saying was in season and out back in the south in the Pentecostal days. You had to be ready for whatever come your way. So I told him, yeah, and I'd been working on this message for a while because I like to have one in my back pocket. <laughs> ready to go, but that was just confirmation to me that this is what, I don't know what anybody's going through here today, 
I don't need to know, but I know this message is for you. And if you're not going through something today, well, I'll just get on with it later. Uh, like I said, I want to start off this morning with a few questions. What do we do when our world starts to cave in? How do we respond when hard times come? And then what can we do to keep our faith strong? You know, all of us, we, we face these questions as we go through our deep trials, eventually. And when that happens, everything we believe will be put to the fire. So it's tested. I want to give you this important phrase to remember. When hard times come, be a student, not a victim. Let me say it again. When hard times come, believe me, they will. Be a student and not a victim. And I hope it's just one of those things you remember for the rest of your life. Write them down if you want. Put them in the back of your mind. I know it may be hard to retrieve it, but it's there. I want it to be there. Be a student and not a victim. Some people go through life as professional victims, always talking about how they've been mistreated. I've got my poor grandson, 11 years old, and everything that happens to him is because it's everybody else's fault. You know, most kids have that, and most of them outgrow it, but a few of us don't. We wonder, how come? Uh, but perpetual victimhood dooms you to a life of self-centered misery because you learn nothing from your trials. You know, what a difference it makes when you become a student and not a victim to what's going on around you. A victim will say, yeah, why did this happen to me? But a student will say, what can I learn from this? A victim, he blames other people, my grandson, for his problems. But a student asks, and this is a question we all should ask, how much of my problems did I bring on myself? A victim will look at everybody else and cry out, life's not fair. But a student looks at life and says, you know what happened to me? Could have happened to anybody. It's not just me. A victim believes his hard times have come because God's trying to punish him. He's done something wrong. But a student understands that God allows hard times in order to help us grow. We grow through those. A victim would rather complain than find a solution. But a student has no time to complain because he's busy making the best of his situation. A victim feels so sorry for himself that he has no time for others. But a student focuses on helping others so that he has no time to feel sorry for himself. A victim will beg God, please remove these problems from my life so I can be happy again. But a student has learned through these problems of life that we all face that God alone is the source of true happiness, true happiness. And all this being said, a student learns from hard times. So today, ask yourself, am I a student or am I a victim? And only you can answer that.
You know, that's the true Christian position. We believe so much in the sovereignty of God that when hard times come, and they will, we know that God is at work for our good and his glory. If you have your Bibles today, let's open them to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 8. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. And I hope that uh, these scriptures are going to help you through life, as I know they will if you allow them to. Paul's writing to some new believers who suddenly found themselves in great difficulty. They were being persecuted for the faith in Jesus. Now, at this time, he had the Jews and the Gentiles... And even the Jews were mad at him because Paul is preaching Jesus. And these Jews are the same ones that put him to death. But now he's getting converts. And they don't care about the unbelievers, as they call them, the Gentiles. But they're mad because the Jews are converting over to this idea of Jesus Christ being the Messiah. And they don't like it, so they're trying to cause every grief they can in Thessalonica. And our text shows how Paul reassured them. And from this passage, I want to share with you five truths about hard times. So let's look at uh, number one. The number one truth, trials are unsettling. Let's look at verses one through the first part of verse three. So when we could stand it no longer... We thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen, excuse me, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. We're going to stop right there. And then I want you to note two key words in this phrase, last phrase. The Greek word for unsettled actually means to wag the tail. Just like a dog, you see it moving back. And it has the idea of being shaken by your circumstances, unsettled, so that you fall away from the right path in life. Now, the word trial comes from a Greek word that has the idea of being under the thumb, the pressure. Has anybody ever been under the thumb? You know, many of you know from experience that unrelenting pressure from circumstances that, that keep you awake at night and saps your strength during the day. You know, no one is exempt from trials and tribulation. No one ex is exempt from these situations that are going to be we're going through. It's not, there's no shortcut to it. There, you know, it's not a trouble-free life to get to heaven. That's just not the way it is. So if you don't think you need this message today, that's okay. But put it away in the back of your mind because I can guarantee you, you might need it tomorrow. You know, as we look at this New Testament teaching regarding the trials, two truths stand out here. First, the trials are a common lot of every Christian. You're going to face trials one time or another. And... Um, Second, your particular trial doesn't matter as much as how you respond to it. 
Everybody says, woe is me, woe is me, but it's not the trial itself. It's going to be how you respond to it. My guys used to get so mad at me at work when I'm out here painting those airplanes and something happens and they say, well, he makes me so mad and angry because he's not doing his part. Look at how he prepped this work and I painted it. It looks so bad. And I said, well, you're, you're angry. Huh? Oh, yeah, I'm angry. I said, you know why you're angry? Yeah, because he messed that up, didn't do good. I said, no, you're angry because you choose to be. And they would get so mad. I don't choose. I didn't choose for him to do that. He messed it up, and now it makes me look bad because I'm painting it. You're angry because you choose to be angry. Now, I'm not talking about the righteous anger that you can have. I'm just talking about being mad, flat out mad. Not saying that it's ever happened to anyone in here, especially in their marriage or in relationships or anything else. No one gets mad at anybody, right, hon? <laughs> right. Uh, but you know what I'm talking about. You know, it's a revolutionary thought to some people. Often we focus so intently that on the details of our difficulties as if the difficulty itself were the most important thing in the world. And it may seem so, but it's not really true. God is much more concerned with how you respond to that trial than the, the trial you're going through. Why? Because most of the time you don't have a choice about bad things that happen to you. You really don't. Usually they just happen without any rhyme or reason, but you can control how you respond to them. You can do it in faith or in unbelief. You can respond in humility or arrogance, in forgiveness or in anger, in hope or in despair. How do you respond to your trials? You know, some people respond in different ways. There was this article in the newspaper. The headline read, Patient Sues Ex-Psychiatrist for Malpractice. A woman is suing her former psychiatrist for malpractice, claiming he convinced her she had 120 personalities. Then, he, of course, he charged her for group therapy since she had 120, you know. Nadine Cole testified Monday that the $300,000 she spent for treatment by Dr. Olson left her suicidal and haunted by false memories. Her supposed personalities included Satan, angels, and even a duck. Boy, talk about a quack, huh? <laughs> you know, stuff like that would get anybody, any one of us down. And for those of you old enough to remember, remember on the TV sets, every now and then that would come on, there would be an interruption with a long beep, and then it would say, this is a test. This is only a test. Had this been a real emergency, you would have been informed to turn to a different channel. Oh, those things cracked me up. But how about in school? Yes, they had school back when I was young, and I remember as a kid. We had those drills for the nuclear attack that was going to come from Russia. Remember those? Any of you? I mean, the older folks, I don't know if they still even do those anymore. They sure don't do them like they did back then, because back then the teacher would have everybody get under their desk, have put one hand over your eyes, one hand on the back, and bend down, and that was going to protect you from the nuclear bomb, right? <laughs> you know, what good is that going to do? They're going to find you in that position you're in, whatever it is. Yeah, but you had to do that. And, 
either in a hallway, somewhere by my wall that was going to protect you, right? And, you know, as a kid, I believed it. We didn't have any reason to doubt. They were our teachers. We're supposed to listen to our teachers. Uh, and then we had those uh, tests. Remember the open book test? Oh, I loved those things, especially when the book, some of those books had the answers in the back. So you was ready for them. Yeah, I did good on those. Uh, but we've got a book now that has the answers in it. Amen? Hopefully you got yours right there with you. There is a catch, though. You kind of have to open it, read it, study it. It's good to hear things, but the Word tells you to hear it, listen to it, and then research it. It tells you to study all things so you know whether it's true or not. It can sound great. might not be biblical, but it can sound really good. You know, there's all kinds of speakers out there saying things like that. Revelation chapter 19 verse 2 states that for true and just are his judgments. True and just are his judgments. So when you've got stuff coming against you, know that your final outcome is going to be true and his judgment is righteous on it. So our teacher, our father, like they did in school with those tests, our teacher He's given us instructions on how to succeed in life. It's all right here. But here's, a, here's an interesting thought. It's not going to jump out at you. You have to get into it. You have to research and research and research again and know it. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That's where we all need to be today for that because like I said we can be ready for anything that comes our way there was a man named Nabil Qureshi and he was a Muslim raised in a Muslim family now Nabil became a Christian after several years of debate with a Christian friend and reading the New Testament encountering Christ and he told his conversion story in the bestseller Seeking Allah Finding Jesus I don't know if any of you have heard of it or not but after serving as a speaker for several years, he was interviewed, and he sounded very strong and confident in all his answers. He knew what he was talking about. And that was on a Thursday. The following Tuesday, he announced that he had been diagnosed with an advanced stomach cancer. And the prognosis, it was grim. But that's how life is sometimes. One day you're announcing a, a new book you've got coming out, and the next day... You're fighting for your life. We've been in James, and as Dave's been going through James now, and chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 reminds us to count it all joy when you encounter various trials because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Anybody need a little perseverance today? Yeah, all the hands should probably go up, including mine. That's not possible if you're going to focus on your trial itself. But if you shift your focus to God, then you can find joy even in your worst moments of life. It sounds good. Is it easy to do? No, it's not easy. But not impossible. Amen? You know, we've got to look at life like that. As I told my workers, you're choosing your emotions. It's not because of him. It's because of you. You're choosing it yourself because you're choosing to be that way. 
It may not be easy to not be that way, but it is not impossible, and we can, we, we can do it. The second truth is our trials, they are appointed. Our trials are appointed. So you're going to go through them. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow, but you're going to get there. Let's look at the rest of verse 3 now. Paul was telling them, you know quite well that we were destined for them. Talking about the trials and tribulation. The phrase, we were destined, comes from a verb that means to put or to place. It's a very strong way of saying that these hard times were placed here by God. Now, some of you may not believe that and say, well, God's not going to do that. Well, he, I'll, I'm going I'm to enlighten you here a little bit more. You know, they don't happen by accident. In fact, it's the opposite. It's, there's no, it's the opposite of, say, chance or circumstance. A lot of people say, well, that's just a chance. That just happened to me. And it's not, it, it's not circumstance. It's appointed. Consider these words by Roy Zook, who was a teacher who served at the Dallas Theological Seminary where he taught for more than 23 years. For the child of God, there are no accidents, only incidents. For the child of God, there are no accidents, only incidents. They may be, that, that may be one of the best one-sentence summary of Romans 8, 28 I've heard. I've ever heard. Go ahead and open your Bibles there to Romans 8, 28. Don't lose your place. We'll come back to Thessalonians. But to Romans 8, 28. And what I'm going to do, I want you to repeat it after I read, please. Most of you know this. You've heard it ever since we were kids, if you were raised in church. So let's start there. And we know. That in all things, how many things? One or two? All things. I got can't walk up there. I'm sorry. Uh, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, how many of you believe that? I ought to see every hand, every foot, every whatever raised up, two hands even. It's God's word. You know it's true. That's our belief. This is the infallible word of God. Amen? All right. So there we have it. All things work to the good of those who love him. Do you love him? Then it's going to work for the good, not because he wants to punish you, not because you've been bad, not because you didn't come to church when you know you could have. You wanted to stay home because things weren't going your way and you had so much going on you just couldn't do it. No, he still loves you and he's working to your good because he knows you love him. And we do. We say we love him. Let's mean it. I've always loved that. Now I want you to look at verse 31. You don't have to read it, but I'm going to read it because we all know this too. So what then... Shall we say in response to this, if God is for us, who can be against us? That's one of the greatest verses. I, lo I love them all, but some stick out more than others. For me, that sticks out so much. If God's for us, who can be against us? 
besides me walking to the front of the speakers. I'm sorry. I, got, I, I like to walk as I talk because I've been a shy person most of my life, so I'm trying to come out of my shell a little bit. <laughs> yeah, right, huh? Okay. But no, that's... Who can be for us? Is God for us? Then who can be against us? Nobody, Nobody right? There are no accidents. Incidents? Oh, yeah. Has anybody got troubles? Oh, yeah, we get those. How about heartache? How about difficulty? I was talking to Brian this morning. He's going through some difficulty right now because of that COVID. Are we immune from everything? No, we're not. But we are more than conquerors. Amen? Especially when it's through the word of our testimony. You got to speak it. Testify. Have you had disappointment? Oh, yeah, several times. Loss? Yeah, some of you have lost a lot of things. Failure? Yeah, we failed at a lot of stuff. But accidents? No, no accidents. There are no accidents with God, only incidents. And they're appointed by Him for our good and His glory. As we just read, for our good and his glory. Because everything's for our good, for those who love him. And Tony Evans, most of you know who he is. I love to hear him speak. Has pointed out everything that happens in the world is either caused by God or allowed by God. And there is no third option. It's either caused by God or allowed by God. So don't ever think. Why did God do this to me? Because maybe it wasn't him doing it, but it was allowed. And for what? To build you up, to make you stronger, to make you be able to go through school when everybody's coming against you and making fun of you and doing whatever. That's your power and strength to rely on, not to retaliate, but to say, well, yeah, I know Jesus, do you? You, sh you come back with something like that and see what kind of response you get. It's kind of like a smile. People look at you and they want you to just kind of look, but then when you smile at them, they're either going to walk away or they're going to smile back and think, boy, what's wrong with him? You don't know until you try it. Uh, you know, nothing ever just happens and nothing is caused by someone or something outside of God's control. That means there's no such thing as chance or fate or luck. And with that important understanding, we, we get ready for our third great truth regarding hard times. Our trials are necessary. Our trials are necessary. Let's look at verse 4. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. Now, right here. He's telling them, they've, we've told you, persecution's coming. It's going to happen. It's just the way it is. Because God's going to use that to build you up. You know, some people may regard this as a negative, that you're going to be persecuted. But to me, it's, it's a positive. I have a lot more confidence in someone who expects trouble and prepares for it than in someone who just goes through life saying, oh, well, it just happened. Nothing just happens. Again, there are no accidents, only incidents. 
Romans 5, 3 through 4 spells out how this process worked. And you can turn there if you want. But we also rejoice in our sufferings. That's unique. We were going to rejoice because we're suffering. Because we know that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. You know, we all want hope. <laughs> but I don't think anybody in here wants to go through the suffering part. Suffering will eventually lead to hope if you keep your mind on God. Don't know how long it will take. Shelby was talking last night, you know, Joseph had 20 years. Well, this may be you're in the first year of your suffering. It also could be you're in the 19th year and 11th month of your suffering. And it's just right around the corner for you to have that joy. Uh, if you want hope to flood your heart, it, it starts with suffering. That leads to endurance that produces a proven character. Anybody here care about the character? It results in the Holy Spirit filling us with hope. You know, again, we want the hope, but we just not with the suffering, but it just doesn't work that way. Now, let me return just for a moment to the Nabil Qureshi. When he announced his cancer, he went on to give this testimony, and, and, and this is the way I want to be. Uh, hopefully, I am, if that would happen to me. In the past few days, my spirits have soared, and they have sank. As I pursue the Lord's will and consider what the future might look like. But never once have I doubted this that Jesus is Lord. His blood has paid my ransom, and by his wounds I am healed. I have a firm faith that my soul is saved by the grace and mercy of the triune God and not by any accomplishment or any merit on my own. I am so thankful that I am a child of the Father, redeemed by the Son and sealed in the Spirit. No, in the midst of this storm, I do not have to worry about my salvation. And for that, I praise you, God. I praise you, God. You know, this is the sort of faith that Paul had in mind in that Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4 that I just read. Nabil wasn't worried about his salvation. That was covered. He knew it. He had the hope. However, he did pass away in September of 2017. In Houston, he was 34 years old at 34. Cancer is no respecter of person, and I pray that nobody in here has to deal with it. Pray that I don't have to deal with it. But I also pray that if I do, I can have this spirit on me, knowing, oh, that I've been sealed. I've got a place waiting on me. And no matter what happens to me, no matter how many times I mess up until that day, that if I remain faithful, God is faithful. And I've got that place with my name above the door, Kenny G, just waiting on me. What it's going to be like, I don't know. I just know I'm going to love it. I'm going to love it. 
You know, we need, to, we need to remember that trials are not entirely negative. There may be, in fact, a sign, it might be the sign that we are in the will of God when trials are coming your way. There was a guy named Thomas Constable. He was a Scottish printer and a publisher from the 1800s, and he's got some very helpful words at this point. When trouble comes, Christians often react by doubting, doubting that they are where God wants them to be. They often think that they've done something wrong and that God must be displeased with them. Even some mature Christians think this way. But 2 Timothy 3 and 12 says, everyone who wants to live a godly life, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. No one's exempt. No matter how good we may be, how good we think we are, how good we are, it doesn't matter. We're not exempt. As he stated, we're going to be under trials and persecution at one point or several points in our life. But you just have to remember it's for our strengthening, for our being able to say, God's good. And all the time. You know why I love that saying? Because it is so true in every situation, not just on Sunday morning when I'm up here saying it to you. Every day, every situation, he's good. No matter what happens, all the time, he's good. And that's why I love that. Here's for the fourth truth that we need to remember when hard times come. Our trials are dangerous. Let's look at verse 5. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. And here Paul tells him, I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. Now, a little earlier in the Scripture, Paul states that he wanted to get back to Thessalonica several times, but Satan had been stopping them. So he was having his struggles. Everybody knows about Paul's struggles. He didn't go through life and uh, everything's just peachy keen. No, you know the suffering he went through. And everybody says, well, that's because he, had, he was that one-on-one -on -one with the Lord when his eyes were closed and scales and it doesn't matter. That can be any of us. Was there anything different about Paul than there is with us? I'm talking physically. Was he, his brain bigger? Did he have more of a big head than we do so he could attain more knowledge? Secretariat, if you know the story of that horse, on that last race, I mean, he was coming off and at the very end, man, he just takes off and leaves the pack. And when he died, they did an autopsy and found out his heart was bigger. So he was able to pump more blood to those muscles. He had a reason for what he did. Paul had a reason for what he did. Amen? It's that one-on-one -on -one with Jesus. Do you have a one-on-one -on -one with Jesus? If you don't, it's not his fault. And that's the truth of the matter. It's not his fault. You know, Satan, tempt us, he tempts us to fall away. During when it's in our trials, you know, when we're at our weakest, when we're struggling, 
because nobody's running through their trials just happy and, oh, yeah, come on over and help me share my trials. We're not doing that. Probably need to, as I'll get on here in a little bit. But Paul knew that this was a possibility, and that's why he was so worried about these young Thessalonian believers. The devil tempts us to doubt God's goodness. You know, how does he tempt us? Well, I can think of a few. First, he tempts us to doubt God's goodness. We just got through talking about how good God is. He whispers in our ear that, hey, God's forgotten you. He doesn't care. He's not good. If he was a good God, would he let this happen to you? That's one of the ways. Second, he tempts us to retaliate against others. Uh-oh, there we have it, with anger or resentment. You know, this is one of his favorite tools. He's got plenty of tools in his pocket, believe me, especially when the hard times involve problems with friends and family members. I'm so glad nobody here has ever had a harsh word, has said a harsh word to a family member or a friend when troubles were surrounding you on all sides. Amen? Yeah. And I'm pointing back at me, too. Another reason, uh, he tempts us to give in to despair and this discouragement. You know, maybe you're sick. Brian's been through a lot with the COVID, and he's been down a lot, and maybe he was sick, and he feels he might not ever get better again. That could be a possibility. We don't know. I sure pray that it's not. But perhaps even we've just gone through a divorce, or you feel rejected, you know, because you've gone through a bad time in a divorce, and you're alone. You know, we may have even lost a job and feel we're not qualified to do anything else. Not good for nothing because we lost our job that we thought we were so good at. All these things lead to the ultimate act of desperation where we give up on our faith in God altogether. And that's what Paul feared for these Thessalonians, that they were going to give up completely. He worried that under that pressure, these new Christians would crumble and give up. Hard times, they eventually wear us down. I'm going to share this because I know I can, and Julie knows I love her. She was not sure where she's going to come this morning because of some stuff that she's going through. But she persevered and came. And I hope this message touches your heart in the way it needs to, along with everybody else, if you're going through troubles. You know, little by little, we lose the joy we once had when we go through this. Under pressure, we begin to give in to bad habits sometimes, wrong attitudes, and then we begin that long slide in the wrong direction. Under pressure, under pressure we begin to give in. There was this woman that was raised as a Christian, and at one time she had a strong faith in Jesus. But during a period of loneliness, she fell in with a bad crowd and began to dabble in sin. A little here and a little there. And eventually she even began to experiment with drugs. And her addiction had led her to some terrible extremes in order to finance her drug habit. You can only imagine and when she was high, she would talk about God and quoted Bible verses because she had that knowledge of the Bible. She was raised a Christian. 
She accepted Christ, but she slipped off. She wanted to be free, of the, but the pain just kept coming off. Heron was so great that she just couldn't deal with it, and she couldn't face it. And at one point, she was even told by a friend of hers that she didn't kind of clean up her act and come clean off of heroin, that a guy was going to be talking about her at her funeral because that was the next step. She was challenged to become a woman of truth because the truth would set her free. She was told the words of Jesus, go and sin no more along with others. And uh, she smiled and thanked a friend and said she appreciated it, but she had to go. She needed to get some more heroin because she just didn't think she could make it through the day. And then she went on her way. Now, her story demonstrates that simply having a Bible knowledge is not enough. We all, if we've been to church in all our lives, we've learned all the scriptures. I've got so many scriptures memorized. I can't remember where they're at, but, and they're all, of course, King James Version. So when I hear, oh, I know that one, I know it, and, and I've heard it, and I, and I remember it, it comes back because it was hammered into us as children through our Sunday school, through our Sunday night, through our Wednesday night, through our vacation Bible school that lasted all week. Hammer, hammer, hammer. But I really enjoyed it, believe it or not. My best part was when we had our sword drills. Everybody had those? Anybody have those? You'd stand up there with your Bible, draw your swords. They'd give you a scripture. Also, first one to it, stand forward and start reading it. I loved it because, <laughs> not bragging, just telling you, I loved it because I was pretty doggone good at it. Because it come from years of studying and memorizing Bible books where they were in the Bible. I didn't look for page numbers. I knew what come right at my bum, 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 bum. Now, as I've gotten older, my bum, 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 bum is more like a bum, bum, bum. <laughs> kind of goes that way. But still, it's there. It's there. I just got to recall it. You know, what happened to this woman can happen to any of us if we, if we respond the wrong way. You know, let nobody condemn her, but instead let's consider our own lives and realize just how vulnerable we are. We've got to admit we are vulnerable. We're not, we're not as strong. We're not 10 foot tall and bulletproof. We don't have a big S on our chest, however it's supposed to go backwards. We don't have that. We all are vulnerable to Satan's attacks. My fifth truth today is our trials are productive. Let's look at verse 6. Our trials are productive. Well, I'm going to have to just read it. I'm not going to spend time. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Now, here in this verse, Paul plainly says that we can overcome our trials by faith. He just said it. He, Timothy has brought good news about your faith and love, that they're doing good. 
He knew they'd been being persecuted by these, especially by these other Jews who didn't like the fact that they're in another, they're Jews, but now they're talking about Jesus Christ and his saving love. So, yes, we can overcome our trials by faith. Now, what kind of faith does he have in mind? How about faith in God's character? That he is good and he makes no mistakes. Amen? Faith in his word. We just talked about that. It's true no matter what happens to us. It's not going to come back void. Faith in God's purpose that he is conforming us to the image of Christ. Did Christ suffer? Oh, yeah. And we are to be like Christ. Faith in God's promise, his promise that he will never leave us or forsake us. Faith in God's presence, that he is with us even in the darkest moments of life. Faith in God's power, that he can deliver us from every temptation. Not a few temptations. He can deliver us from every temptation. And there is one other kind of faith that will help us in the hard times, and that is the shared faith of God's people. It's the shared faith of God's people. So many of us struggle because we try to handle our problems alone. God never intended that we should walk through that dark valley alone. He's always with us. But a known more thing, uh, nothing wrong with asking for help, sharing your problems so that I can pray for you so that my neighbor, your wife, can pray for you. A lot of arguments lead because you're going through a hard time and they don't even realize it because you don't say nothing. Not that anybody in here has a problem communicating. Men. Listen to this note that a pastor received from somebody who found her way back to God after a long time in that wilderness. Dear pastor, I felt I should tell you a little bit of my story in hopes that it might help someone else. Whenever I tell others about my rough road back to Christ from non-Christian relationships, the one question I'm always asked is, what would have helped me make my road back a little easier? Well, my answer during my time of spiritual loneliness was, if I had had a sister in Christ, seek me out and tell me, I've been there you can make it. I love you. God loves you. And together we can find your way back to Jesus. She says, I could have been sp uh, spared a lot more pain than I had to go through to discover the answers on my own. She then adds a P.S. to this note. Jesus is never tolerant of sin. Never tolerant of sin, but always willing to forgive it. If my experience can help someone else, please feel free to use this note to help others. You know, this letter, it's really encouraging because it reminds us that we grow stronger if we lean on each other. We don't need to do anything alone. If you're having a hard time keeping your head above water, tell somebody else about it. Do not fight the battle alone. God is with you for sure. 
but also you have your Christian brothers and sisters that can help you. And let that be a lesson to everybody. You're always good to help somebody. Let the Lord minister to you through the resources of the body of Christ. That's us. We should never, never suffer alone. And verses 7 and 8 reveal another way in which our trials are productive. productive. So look at there. It says, Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now, we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. And here's another truth about the hard times that you need to know. We never suffer alone. We may think we are, but we're never suffering alone. Here, Paul was encouraged by their faith. It encouraged him in his suffering. There's always somebody that can lift you up. They want you to know Our friends suffer with us and watch to see how we respond to tragedies. Our friends suffer with us, and they watch us to see how we respond to that tragedy because they, they really want to know if we say what we believe is really enough for us in the hard times. They want to know if, if, if we're practicing what we preach. Now, our friends are there, and if you don't ask for help, well, some may offer, some may not, but they're still there. And they're watching to see if they know about your hard times, to see how you're going to react to it. What kind, of, what kind of face are you putting on? And further in the distance, others are watching too. Many of them are unbelievers who, who wonder if Christ is even real. They don't know. They aren't sure. Maybe they've read the Bible. Maybe they haven't. But they're watching to see how we respond to mistreatment when, when we're going through our trials. Uh, how we respond to malicious accusations, sickness, the loss of a job, the end of a marriage, a career setback, or even a financial collapse. You know, from the shadows, they watch us as we suffer to see if what we have is real or not. And in this case about Paul, the great apostle himself drew strength from the courage of these new believers. Although he had come to minister to them by standing firm in hard times, they were ministering to him. So by you standing firm in your hard times, you could be ministering with someone else and not even know it. That's how God works. We're not meant to suffer alone. Paul is saying, I can face my trials because I see how well you're facing yours. When someone comes to you and they see what you're going through and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and doing a good job of it, that's going to encourage somebody. Brian and I talked this morning and talked about the COVID we both went through. And he's talking about his strength being zapped. I said, yeah, it took a while, but it's getting back. But it does come back. Hopefully, I can encourage him to know that this is just for a season. Because God is good all the time. And he loves you. He loves you. You know, in closing, let me say this, that as good as I think I might be, I still wouldn't take away that pain. You know, there may be, we've always heard phrases that, oh man, Lord, please put it on me and take it away from them. 
Don't know about that. Don't know about that. And there may be someone here today that's going through a hard time right now. You know, in the last few days, we've been on the road a lot, talking to different people and seeing different family. And I've heard a lot about prodigal children, how they're not doing right. Aging parents are worried about the future. Uh, some, some in divorce, all kinds of the cancer. We talked about an infant, a baby with a serious medical condition. It just hurts us. Little kids, far away from God, they don't even know anything about him because the parents don't, aren't teaching them. A lot of Christians that are dealing with doubt, others with fear, and still others dealing with a lingering bitterness. You know, and as I thought about the pain of going through all these hard times and sufferings, I, I came to this conclusion that even if I were able, and I'm not, but even if I were able, I wouldn't take away the pain you're going through or even make the hard times disappear because God's ordained them. We read that it's been appointed that we're going to go through suffering, trial, pers uh, persecution. God has ordained that your trials are part of his plan to make you more like Jesus. Anybody in here doesn't want to be more like Jesus? I don't think so. You know, there are no shortcuts to spiritual maturity. We all talk about being grown up or on our way to being grown up. Just remember, there are no shortcuts to being spiritually mature we're out of what take away the pain I, I might move too soon on them and then I'm blocking God's work in your life I don't want to ever do that I don't ever want to be a hindrance to somebody because I was able to take their pain away to I want to help them through their suffering but take it away completely no because it's a purpose in it you know I see things from a human perspective and I might actually hurt you then instead of helping you even though my motives were good Again, no shortcuts to spiritual maturity. Everybody knows Job and the story of Job. Job 23.10 says, He knows the way I take. When he has tried me, I will come forth as pure gold. You know, you can have an easy life or you can have deep faith. I don't believe you can have both. Because if you have faith, you're going to have it because you've been through hard times. You know God's power. You know his will. There is no gold without a fiery furnace. You can't have it. It didn't come out of the ground in those big bars. No, it comes out as a big rock or a little rock. I've seen shows on TV where they're advertising and they're digging gold quests, whatever, and they get a little old pebble and they're jumping up and down for that little bit. But I want to be able to be put through the test knowing that I will be refined and come out pure gold. I hope that's your plan. You know, fear not. Our hard times are designed to bring us closer to the Lord. Psalm 30 verse 5 says that weeping may endure for a night. Anybody had weeping? Anybody been crying? Be rejoiceful. Because why? Joy comes in the morning Woo i'm ready for the morning to come hopefully they walk out and that sun's shining on me and i'm saying all right god here we are and if it's not i'm gonna say all right god here we are because that's the way we're supposed to go through life rejoicing in all things so let's endure our trials with grace and courage 
Let's not be a complainer and just want to say, oh, life's not fair. Knowing that in the end, the clouds will part on that rainy day. The sky's going to open up and the sun's going to shine again. You know, we have a great God who loves us more than we know. Look to Jesus and you will find the strength you need. You're never alone. And when your trials are over, and they will be over, Julie, you're going to have a smile on your face knowing everything's good. It's going to happen. And you're going to come forth as pure gold. Anybody here want to be tin? You want to be aluminum foil? No, I want to be gold. That's why gold is so important because the streets are going to be paved with it in heaven. Amen? We're told of that. Hopefully everybody in here wants to come forth as pure gold. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to me today. Not running out on me. I appreciate the young men that stayed with us. I'm glad they didn't bring tomatoes. I'm also glad for trials and tribulations because I've just read that it's going to make me closer to God when I come through them because I'm going through them. You're going to go through it. Like I said, you may need it. You might not be suffering at all right now, and that's great. Hallelujah. Maybe you've never suffered in your life, but there's going to be a time. It's going to come. The Word says it. I believe it, and I rely on it. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for all that you do. I praise you for everything that's going on. I praise you for knowing that we don't have to suffer alone. We don't have to go through our trials alone. Lord, I praise you because you are God, and I want to be more like Jesus. And I pray, Lord, this morning that if there's anybody here, Lord, that is suffering that has a need, that they will come forth and let us pray with them. Father, that they would know that you are God and you are with us. Help us, O oh Lord, to be all we can be so you will be all you are to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will lift up, lift up my heart.